Would you like to introduce us today, Mike? No. Hello and welcome to IRC Book Club, the show where every week we deconstruct, reconstruct the latest, biggest, most influential sales texts for you, our delightful listeners. Hello, Mike. All right, Jonathan, so we're on Mind for Sales, a Mind for Sales. A Mind for Sales. Now, what this book is all about is about the mindsets of good salespeople. I do agree with his mindsets. What I would say about this book, I've said it the last episode, is this isn't to sit there with your notebook. This is a quite happily listen to in the car. Yeah, it's one that I think if you... It's an airport lounge read, it's a... Maybe even a beach read. It's like that, yeah. It's not, you know, Miller-Hyman strategic selling where you need to take notes. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you didn't write things in the margin on this one. Exactly. But do you know what? I thought section one was dynamite, section two was weak. And today we're on section three. Which is about minefields and mind traps. So tell us about this, Mike. You'll like chapter 16. So it's written, into, it's broken into five sections, and, and then in the sections there are chapters. Hacks don't control you, you control them. Now, we spoke about this a lot. What was the, was it uh, near Ayal? Yes. We spoke about this a lot. Indistractable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And he's talking a lot here, you know, about not letting your environment control you, really. Yeah, and he's talking about how different apps can nail you, and you know, he's talking about the obvious. You but can get lost in email or whatever. Can, but, 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 I mean, page 118, he goes, my beef is twofold. First, too many times these sales productivity tools have been created to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Read that last sentence and let it sink in for a moment. Second, there is no such thing as a universal solution. Now, I think he's got to be careful here. Because the I think world is changing. The world's changing. And actually, a lot of what the IT market does, you know, you think about these new market entrants... They are solving problems that don't exist. But in the fullness of time, they're creating markets that actually become hugely successful. And the best example I can give is, you know, since the start of 2020, we've used Angus the Bot to do interviewing. Yep. And we tested Angus the Bot because we thought we were going to get a bit of a frosty response. We've had a brilliant response. If you actually cast your mind back, I wasn't into Angus the Bot. No. It was you that was into Angus the Bot. Yep. So I didn't see the problem, and you pushed on this sort of snake oil, as he refers to it, type solution. Yeah, he'd have said that, snake oil. And actually, let's be clear, I was wrong and you were right, and Angus the bot is great. Right. But if I'd listened Sorry, to this guy... You'd have gone, oh, it's, snake, it's just another fucking snake oil, get on your phone. Correct. So yes. I think he shreds a very you have to be dis- line here. We were talking about it in the team meeting this morning, where I was saying, to be fair, Pricey, that you have a three times convincer pattern and a three month convince pattern. You need about three months to work out whether you're into something or not. Yes. That's that's just you. I've worked with you long enough now to know if I want to introduce something to you, I've got to introduce it now with the hope of probably being able to close you on it in about three months. And sometimes you will say no. Mm. And that's just how our working relationship works. And I know you need time to work it out. Right? I need time to just think about whether yeah. it fits in. Absolutely. But you're absolutely right, which is... The world is changing now at a speed from a technological perspective where some of these sales tools, you know, you look at our infrastructure. I reckon I've swapped out three or four key suppliers for other suppliers in the space of the last month because actually the technological rate of change is so great. And none of them are snake oil. You know, there was one I swapped, swapped out the other day. Why? It's just better. What was, Spotify better, snake? what was Spotify snake oil? No. 
it solved a problem that didn't exist. What but was he'd be CDs? sat there, This guy would be sat there saying, keep me vinyl. Correct. Yeah, well, to hell with you vinyl, because I'm using an app called Rune, which connects to Tidal. I've got ridiculous amounts of data about my record collection. My referrals and my recommendations are amazing. Oh, and it audio processes my master quality audio for me before it even gets my digital analog converter. So I'll tell you what, I'll go home and listen to my vinyl, shall I? Correct. And actually, it's innovation. But there is plenty of stuff out there that snake oil that don't work. Yeah, and I think where, what he's really alluding to is... I noticed, I got an email the other day from a guy who contacted me on LinkedIn, and it was very clear he's using some LinkedIn automator tool that's putting first name, last name, company name in there. And it was wrong. Mm. And he thinks that he's going to get business with that LinkedIn automator tool. That's what actually our author's getting at here. Yeah, yeah. I he agree. thinks that that geezer thinks that salesman. He's not an IT guy, but he thinks I'm just going to send 500 LinkedIn requests today, and it's all going to be all right. And the point our author is making is, no, sorry, it is not. Absolutely. That's really his point. And then he and then he starts digging into, in the it, 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 well, he gets stuck into some sales consulting company, and basically what he actually really truly says, I think, in summary is. He says, take control of your own environment. Yeah. And take accountability for its output. Take, take control of your tools. Your no, kit. he never actually says that, but I think that's the yeah, point. Take control of to. your tools and your kit, your software, what you're using. You know, I sometimes look at guys, and you see these guys on the train, and you think, you look at them, and they're using some 200-year-old laptop that their employers have given them. Yeah, yeah. And you know for a fact they're sat there staring at an hourglass for a... Probably, I bet if you looked at that train journey at a two hours, they've probably spent 15 minutes staring at the hourglass on the two-hour journey. Yeah, yeah. Because the machine's slow. It's all right, though, because their employees have saved 300 quid. Yeah. But actually, there's a if they want, they could have a BYOD policy. You can take your own kit to work, go out and buy yourself a really nice Mac, fast as hell, reliable, and just worry about it yourself. But not a lot of people do go out and take that level of control and they're quite happy to lose 15 minutes a day staring at an hourglass times five days a week times 52 weeks of the year but they're quite happy to lose 52 working hours of a year staring at an hourglass but those but those people on the train they're accepting it yeah they're They're accepting accepting their environment they're accepting the fact that their employer expects them to spend 52 working hours a week of their life one week of every year just staring at an hourglass on their PC they accept that and that, I think that's just, hold on, a week of your life staring at the hourglass on your PC? Are you mad? Mental. Chapter 17. Social selling is neither social nor selling. Woohoo! The context of social media, sites being harmonious intersections of buyer and seller, is a joke. Why are there people who insist on trying to sell me, sell to me every time I'm on LinkedIn? I thought you got that bit wrong. Yeah. To be well, perfectly honest. The, I think we've used this phrase before. It's a dirty pint. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. Generating business is a dirty pint of activity, isn't it? But then he goes on and says, yeah. social media is a shiny object just like the sun. Stare at it too long and you'll go blind. And it's a funny balance again, isn't it? There's part of it he's very right about, which is, I think, if you are reading the feed, you're in trouble. Do you know what's interesting? So... so We've got sales, we've got LinkedIn sales now, LinkedIn recruitment. We've got three LinkedIn accounts each. Mental. Three inboxes as well. That's why it takes me so long to get back to you. So what I thought I'd do as a bit of an experiment is, I thought I'd follow loads of clients that I wanted to get into, 
Yeah, new it, business prospects. Tagged, I've tagged them all on LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and I've spent an hour a week, literally only an hour a week, commenting on their stuff. Actually, some of it has come good for me now. Really? Yeah. No, I'll give that a try. Some of it's come good for me. But that's part of and the And I'm dirty talking proper door-knocking, hello, my name is. Because it's, it's made it a little bit warmer. But So what I've done is I've commented, 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 and then I've sent them an in-mail, then I've sent them an email, then I've called them. Oh, what, you mean you've used Combo Prospecting? Yes, which was a brilliant book by Terry. That's Hughes. still my favourite book on Book Club. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So actually, I think, if you see me looking at LinkedIn... In my defence, that's worked well for me, actually. Right. But I think what this guy's referring to is these wallers out there... Spend all day reading the feed under the pretense of working. Scrolling down. Oh. Hyacinth, Bridget Hyacinth, whatever her name is. <sighs> or the others. Brains over breasts, Sally Illingworth. Oh, I didn't know. I've have never you seen her? her? No, no. Oh, God. You uh, know, commenting in her feed... That ain't going to make any money. No. And what he's saying is, having the mental proactivity of asking yourself, what the hell am I doing right now? Yeah, has to be commenting, politics, yeah. commenting on Sally Illingworth, some go- some attractive blonde Australian girl... Never come across her. ...who always is just dressed on the absolutely right side of modest. <laughs> who's all over LinkedIn. I mean, she's all over it. But actually... That is not good. Commenting on Sally Illingworth or Mike Winnett, that is not making you money. Correct. You might, not get, you might, get, a few, you might get a few likes, but... It's not making you money. Commenting on something one of your prospects, say. We've just, yeah, one of your prospects, say. We've just done a deal with HSBC. Congratulations. Oh, absolutely congratulations. You know, I've got another client, actually, in the finance market. I did this for them. I reckon we could do that for you. Or looking out for one of your... Looking on LinkedIn for customers with recent funding rounds. Yeah. Wow, I understand you just had your Series B funding round. I'm, wonder, I'm wondering how much of that you, you're wanting to spend on uh, sales hiring, or I'm wondering how much of that you're wanting to spend on a new CRM system. Absolutely. Yada, yada, yada. Page Great. 125. Clicks and likes are a virus in your mind. And he sort of goes on a little bit more about it. He does say, the big groups on LinkedIn are HR and recruiters, people looking for a job and salespeople. These groups make up a huge part of the active users. Yeah. Now, actually, that does suit us. Suits IRC. I don't think anything wrong with that, really. No. The, the hype behind social selling, I believe, came from salespeople trying to sell to other salespeople. That's all right. Lily's phone's died, so for those of you who are watching in video, you just have to listen to us. Yeah, we're going to keep going with the show. You'll miss out on it. What was that thing they used to have show? on the TV with that girl in front of the backboard when there was no TV oh, show? Oh, the test card. Put the test card in front Lily of this, Lily has no idea. Lily's 25, so she doesn't she know She does not up. know what the test card is. Lily lives in a world where there is 24-hour TV. On a hundred different channels. <laughs> But anyway, the hype behind social selling, I believe, came from salespeople trying to sell to other salespeople. Since most salespeople do not like having to prospect, they're open to alternative solutions. Now he's hit the nail on the head for me. I think a lot of people, when they walk in through the door and their better half goes, how is your day at work, dear? They go, well, dear, I've worked really hard today. And their definition of really working really hard is, I spent three hours looking at social media. I spent three now, hours I agree with this guy. 100% when he says that. Spent three hours on LinkedIn. He's a bit old-fashioned about getting on the phone he's and stuff. right, though. He is right. And he's right. He's so right. And that for me, my view is, if I'm scrolling the feed, I'm done. If I'm looking at targeted client accounts... Well, you can feeds, do that in sales nav. Yes, you can do that in sales nav. But sales that, nav, when you get into but it. But he would say, Mark Hunter would say, 
if you've got your mindset right, you'd pay for a sales nav account for yourself. Yes, correct, correct. And you wouldn't use standard LinkedIn. You'd have a sales nav account, and you would target the your feed would be the entire sum of your customer prospect base, and nothing well, well, actually, other, it, it, and nothing else. Well, actually, what he'd say, and what I am on with, in fairness, is he'd say you'd have a few different reports. So you'd have yeah. key clients that are clients, through to key prospects that I've never spoken so to. So you could look at different feeds. Different feeds, yeah. Yeah. In different sectors, different verticals. And that is what I'm starting to do now. Right. Which and I you, think is a good... Well, yeah. let's hope. I think well, it's a, but please understand what Mike's saying here is, Mike will do that for one hour a week. Oh, yeah, one hour a week, yeah. He'll do it for one hour a week, and he's probably, at a time which, to be fair to David Allen, is probably the contextually right hour for you, notably one where you're probably a bit tired and it's the... Yeah, I'm not doing it at 8.30 on a Monday morning. No, you're probably doing it at 4pm on a Thursday. Yeah, do you know when I pick it? I pick it at that time where where I know, you know, is there any point cold calling at lunchtime on Thursday? No. Where it fits your energy level and the time of the day. Yes. David Allen would be proud of you, Michael. Which one's David Allen? Getting things done, that's a very GTD thing to do. To yeah. contextually cues when you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't really like that book either. But that is exactly what GTD is about. He would say you do things that are contextually He should have written that letter. Yes, he doesn't explain that well enough, but that's what he means. His book's waffly and long. So what he means is, we're going backwards on a book club book, but what he's talking about being contextual is there's no point in doing flicking through LinkedIn when it's 8 o'clock on a Monday morning you should be doing it at a time where you've just had your lunch you're on a bit of a lull but it's a useful thing to do for an hour at that time correct so chapter unless you have anything more on chapter 17 no it's it's just for me it's it's the thing that I find terrifying about the social media thing is it it is so easy to make it a pretense for work do you you know what I think is happening I know I'm going to sound ageist now against young people I am really is as in in I'm ageist um, about the younger salespeople that are getting getting into the market now that have got their gratification from Instagram likes are then transferring that into the workplace with getting gratification from using social media. Yes, they, I think that we've tra- we've trained them like little Pavlov's doggies to like likes and interactions on social media and to mistake that for activity in life. Yeah. Um, what I think it also goes back to is the other point I've made, which is that it's a generation of salespeople who've never known unemployment. And therefore, they're not as acutely aware of the importance of being harshly in contact. And because the economy has been so good until coronavirus last week, and the economy has been so strong, people haven't known what it really means to have to prospect for business, what real filthy, horrible prospecting really is all about. Yes, chapter 18. I was going to correct you then. Because it's think... not filthy and horrible. No, I don't know. But you know, I'm proper street, I know what you're getting at. Proper street fighting prospects. I know what you're getting at. Chapter 18. Win at all costs. What your CRM is not telling you. Now, now this bit, he goes on about salespeople not using CRM systems, which they don't. I think a lot of salespeople, I certainly get the impression, is that they update their CRM systems to keep their bosses happy. I've got to say... I, I don't understand that. I use Salesforce CRM. Whenever I'm on holiday... You could just use my Salesforce CRM login. Yep. It really works for me from an organisation perspective. Yes, it's a place where you keep notes. About and I don't think Salesforce CRM is that good, really. No. The only reason we use Salesforce is because it integrates with so many other applications that are vital to our business. Yeah. So it's a de- Salesforce, in reality, our business is a data hub for about eight other different applications. And I'm skipping a lot here and taking them a bit out of context. I don't really know why this chapter's here, Mike. I said the middle of the book wanes a little bit. I don't know why I wrote the chapter. That's what I mean. The core book is 
are mined for sales. So and actually, I, this is here, when you think about the book... I just, yeah, but when you fairness to him, when you think about the book is, he's talking about salespeople don't use CRM or are just using it to keep the bosses happy when they should be using it correctly. And he's right. He is 100% right about he that. He is bang right about that. The amount of people, oh, God, I've got to update the CRM system. Well, why have you not done it the moment you got out of call? Yeah, why don't you use it? I know, if I watch you at your desk, if you were on a conversation with a candidate... Or Salesforce a client, is open. Salesforce is open and you are hitting log call and you're making notes. If I'm on a call, I've hit log call. If I walk out of an appointment, the first thing I do is I open up the Salesforce app on my phone and I log the conversation. Well, listen, I take my notes on my Apple uh, Apple Pencil thing. Oh, damn. And, 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 and I save those notes that are handwritten to the file. Yeah. It's not hard. No, it's not. It's anyway. not hard. And those notes, and that information is there to help you sell more stuff. No, he says something here. He goes, salespeople will always look for the easy way out when it comes to reporting. Can I go back a minute on this? Of course, yeah. I'll tell you what I think is. Do you know why people don't like to update CRM? It's because they think it's a chore. And they think it's a chore because they don't realise the value of great note-taking. That's part of it. I think the other people... I do agree with you. And they don't realise the value of writing down things that has been said to them verbatim precisely to use later on in the sales campaign. I also think... Salespeople do not like writing down the accurate truth about the appointment and the situation because it's yeah, like it's an looking one. So in what, the mirror. Yes, because they don't want to write. Oh, bad came off the call. Bad appointment. Don't think this is going to go anywhere. I think we're going to get beat. Just been to London to see a client that Price told me was shit. He was right, and he was bang right. You don't want to put that because you're yeah. admitting it to yourself. Correct. And actually, I think a lot of it is. You know, I've not managed many people. You've managed a bit more, you know, more people than me, really. But actually, when you manage people, Johnny, how many of them, when you said, how did that call go? Yeah, how many right, of them yeah. got off the phone and went, do you know what, Johnny, I made a terrible call. I think we're going to lose out to a different recruiter because I wasn't prepared and I made a bad call. Not many. Well, none. Well, it's normally the ones that actually you know are going to be superstars. Yeah. The ones that are actually sat there going, shit, that went terribly. God damn it, what the hell? They're normally the ones that turn out to be superstars. And if we got one of these big sales teams, CRM systems, you know, Oracle, Salesforce, IBM, Microsoft, whoever. Good call, good meet. That's what most of the meet. Good call, good meet. Client wants X, Y, Z. And then they resign before it's not a sale. Well, it, and but the, they and knew the, it wasn't going to be a sale. And the data in that CRM is so superficial. But that's what and this then, guy, in fairness to and him. And then, though, what happens is the sales leaders look at the data in the CRM and think, that's superficial. I'm going to put compulsory fields in the CRM that they have to fill in after a meeting so that I can get the information I need. Correct. And in fairness to this guy, that is what he's talking about in this yeah. chapter. So I actually said, think it has a place. Yes. Uh, uh, so, and what he's saying is, maybe actually just maybe that CRM's there to help you. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah, absolutely. He said something I never heard of, actually. On page 132, he said, there are forward-thinking people who love to say the answer to CRM problem lies in having a cash price quote system, CPQ. The argument is that with a CPQ tool, the sales the sales team will now have a forward-thinking system they can rely on. I'm amazed. In 20 years placing software salespeople, I've never heard of a CPQ solution. That's quite popular technology. I'm not saying it's wrong. I've never heard of it. Right. Anyway, that was that. We're now on to chapter, chapter 19. Yes, we are. Quit thinking marketing will get you leads. What do you think of that? 100% right. Uh, but I, yeah. I do. We have to remember the mindset of marketing 
They operate in the big picture world of large audiences. In sales, we operate with smaller audiences. The difference alone is hard for many marketing and salespeople to accept. And what it takes you back to is if I could produce a pie chart or a graph, sorry, that said the correlation between salespeople who rely on marketing and salespeople who don't versus target and achievement, the latter category sell more. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely. And that's what he's saying, really. Um, well, I have to, one of the questions we sometimes ask is if you're on a scale of zero to ten, zero being I get all my own leads, I've got no marketing support whatsoever, I book all my own appointments and everything I generate is mine, and ten is marketing do everything for me, where are you on that in your current role? And it's usually the ones... It's a mix, isn't it? The, right, the best companies, in reality, do support salespeople with marketing. Well, the Successful companies get that mix right. They get the mix of expecting the salesperson to bring something to the party themselves and bringing something to the, part, the salesman well, themselves. Well, well one they of the companies I always had terrific respect for, and I don't deal with them anymore because David Pritchard doesn't seem to want to deal with me, was Daytel. Yeah, I knew yeah, you were going to mention that. They had a lady there called Jo Fulton who she was a marketer by trade. Ship. She got that company to be a sales lead generation machine. Correct. Worked very well with the vendor. It was a partner company. Worked very well with the so vendor. So they we sell sales software. Yeah, and as a result, every, the, the, the promise of the company to a salesperson was, if you turn up here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you will be at appointments that marketing will generate. Brilliant. They paid less on basic. And you won't even put the appointment in your diary. Yeah, brilliant. You will walk in on Monday morning, you'll look at your diary and you'll know where you've got to point your car. Next poll, page 136. And people earn £100,000 a year there. Yep. Blaming marketing is a zero-sum game. Rather than blame marketing, accept them for who they are and realise they're merely doing their job. This is where I throw responsibility back on sales. What are you doing to help educate marketing about what works best for you? Without turning this into a marketing book, let me say this. The one thing that marketing does best is create awareness. Yeah. The fact that so many marketing teams believe it is their primary job to generate perfect leads is a joke. And he is right. And there's a guy at the minute, I'm not going to mention his name, and he works for Oracle. And he was going to look for a job, and he didn't in the end. And what he did was he whinged a bit about marketing. And then about a week later, he sent me an email. I said, Mike, I- I'm not happy with that. I'm going to go back to them. And he has then worked with marketing to get them to create the material he wanted. Yes. Guess what? He's still buddy there. Well, it's something I've noticed on a lot of job specs now. One of the key things that the more forward-thinking companies will say to me is, I want the candidate to work very closely with marketing yeah, to, I agree. I agree. to generate that campaigns. So I think actually what's more fundamental is that the fundamental fabric of what we expect a good sales professional to be now is changing. Notably, that they need to have a sufficient enough understanding of how the marketing mix works to be able to work with and support their marketing colleagues in supporting them. Well, it's interesting because I whine about the new people entering the market, young people, that they're glued to and they're used to the paradigm of Instagram to create leads. Let's be clear, the new people who aren't in sales who are entering the market are used to buying through marketing. They're used to how that those channels work now. Yeah, so you got to work. work. So it, I sort of buy what he says, but I, I do think that actually what's really happening is it's the fundamental fabric of what maketh a good modern sales professional is. They need to get marketing enough to know that they can go into marketing and say, this is what I need from you. Mm, I agree. And to get, and 
the good enough salespeople and the leaders of others to motivate those people to go, right, we'll get it for you. Chapter 20. Sales is not a numbers game. Sales is a quality game. Mm, I, 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 I circled this in red. I think it's a bit of both, really. I'll tell you what I wrote, Mike. I wrote leads times conversion ratio equals number of sales times average order value equals turnover. Mm, yeah, yeah. And if I can improve my number of leads by 10%, my conversion ratio by 10%, and my average order value by 10%, I wonder what the implications of that are. And therefore, I was inclined to rubbish that comment a little bit because it actually is a numbers game. Yes, and I wasn't fond of it, really. Actually, it's a very simple formula. Leads times conversion ratio equals number of sales times average deal value equals turnover. And if you're a salesperson and you live on that premise, you will make money. Completely agree. And what, you will hit target every time. What do you think of his point? Yeah, I quite liked it personally about page 143, customer facing time. So He says here, customer. well, I have highlighted it. It's a, it's a number you want to measure. This is a quality number because of what you are doing. You are interacting with a customer of some type. CFT includes such things as face-to-face calls or email. So, so email? that's... Oh, I liked it. Because CFT equals face-to-face, telephone or email. When so basically he's talking email. about, I would reword it as contact. Yes. Don't matter what kind. Contact. Touch, 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 touch. One upon another upon another. Contact. Yes. Okay. And I think contact is a good thing to measure. Are you getting into contact? Of whatever kind. Yeah. You're all right. I'm then on the end of that and into chapter 21, actually. Yes, we are in the final chapter of this episode. Chapter 21, your pipeline needs to be a water faucet, not a sewer pipe. <laughs> too many people, too many sales pipelines are plugged up with stuff that's not going anywhere. Putting it bluntly there, nothing more than a sewer pipe. And for that, a clogged sewer pipe. Yeah, I mean, he's right, I think. A giant backed-up sales pipeline. I like the line here, a lead must earn the right to be in your pipeline. Yeah, I mean, he extends it further, but we covered that in the in the last week about sacking some of your clients. Yeah. I think there's a lot of salespeople out there. I see it on CVs. I've got a pipeline of five million. I've got a pipeline of six times cover. Well, get, oh, you, you know, the moment... The moment I read that, I think, well, he didn't sell anything. Literally, that is a dead CV to me. Yeah. The moment I see a CV where the candidate's talking about his pipeline, I saw one the other day... Tomorrow, Lily and I are going out to shoot Pint with JG, and uh, I'm doing an episode on CVs. Right, okay. And one of the things I'm going to talk about, and I have talked about it in another episode, is pipe. people who talk about pipelines, no one cares. You talk about your pipeline, go away. Uh, I saw this one CV last week, I'm going to use it, obviously, I'm going to anonymise it. Is it Richard Harris's? <laughs> Dave Smith. No, uh, I'll take that off. Uh, it's uh, Dave Smith. I made the name Richard Harris. <laughs> for all the Richard Harris's that no, are going to complain. Yeah, for all the Richard Harris's are going to do us under GDPR right now, he was making it up. It's not you. In this particular CV, for the last three jobs, he's put what his pipeline was. <laughs> He'd have been better off actually saying, I've had three really rough years. I and I didn't sell anything. Yeah, I've sold nothing for the last three years. But he's right, you know, it's a funny thing. What, what he's saying is you can put stuff in a pipeline. And it's very easy to go, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a client, it's an opportunity. But I think a lot of people do that because they're under pressure from their managers. I think a lot of people do it because they don't do enough cold calling. And because they're lying to themselves. Don't generate enough leads for themselves. Now here's one for you, Jonathan. So as a result, they put shit in the Here's pipeline. one for Keenan, actually. And me and Keenan seems to get on quite well now, even though we sort of fell out a little bit. He's all right, he's great value, is Keenan. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, it was on about his check shirt or something, I can't remember. They called it a plaid shirt, which Plan. I guess is... Planned, is it? Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, page 150. You can't turn a Walmart shopper into a Nordstrom customer. I think Keenan says you can. 
Because Keenan would say you're not selling a big enough gap. You can't turn a Walmart shopper into an Ulstrom customer. No, I think he's right. Well, I think Keenan would disagree. I th- uh, as Keenan uh, would say you have to build the gap up to make the pain greater, to increase the price. And as much as I sort of didn't really get on with Keenan, cus- I did agree with Keenan. Remember in January we had to lawyer up to get some money off a customer. Oh yeah. If you'd said to me, of all the invoices we sent in January, which client was going to behave like total vermin? Oh, it's bound to be them. I would have said it'll be them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. They are a Walmart customer buying off Nordstrom. And I tried to turn them into a Nordstrom customer. And in reality, he's a Walmart customer. And he was always going to behave like a mean on Walmart customers, metaphorically speaking. Well, I shop at Walmart. He was, he was always going to be a scummy client. Yeah. There was no doubt in my mind he was going to act like a scummy customer, treat my candidate like a scum. And, and I'll, you look back and I think, what did I get involved in that for? What on earth? I knew he was going to try and do me over. I knew he was going to treat my candidate badly. Mm. And I, I just, uh, you know, it's a rare occasion where I don't qualify out of something like that, where I've not thought, do you know what, mate? You're just not the right kind of client for us. But Keenan would have said Jonathan. Whereas the other, but you know, the other week I got involved with one where she wanted to work with 15 of her closest recruitment relationships on sales. Oh, really? Yeah. And at the time I said to him, do you know what I think you want? I think what you're really telling me here, Mrs. HR leader, is that actually what you really want is to vet 15 recruitment companies, all of whom will be the fastest to get the CV to you that's on the market. Right. And I said, that's not really what we do. And actually, I saved myself a lot of time with that. Yeah. That didn't go into my pipeline, did it? He says here, page 152, fewer prospects, more time. You know, I think that's a moot point, really. I think it depends on your market. Fewer prospects, more... Yeah, 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 OK. And then that's the end of section three. So that's us for the week. Another interesting show where we didn't think we'd have much to talk about, and we have. Well, I've actually enjoyed reading the book, as you can tell. Well, it's... I think more than you, I think I've enjoyed reading it. I've enjoyed. I've sort of got plenty out of it and plenty to talk about about it. But what I've not quite got that I've got out of some of the other books we've talked about on IRC Book Club is stuff that's made a difference to my daily game. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And that's probably my frustration with it was I got up on Saturday, got up early, made a pot of coffee and started reading it. And often I don't mind doing it in a sitting because I think, well, do you know what? That was five hours of personal self-development. Well done. What I got out of it has been a bit of a reminder to muscle up a bit but I'm right now there's not been a part of the book it's like I said about this book it's a car listen yeah there's not been a part of it where I've thought wow that's changed I'm going to stop and take notes I'm going to stop take notes and I'm going to come in here on Monday and I'm going to change something about what I do well that's that's the end of section 3 cool and we'll see you next week for the last part goodbye <laughs>